Right, hallelujah. Listen, Easter Sunday, Palm Sunday is only a couple weeks away. And we have already been praying over our Easter Sunday. Can you guys hear me? Do I need to go a little bit louder? Maybe just a tad bit louder. Anyway, I want you to start thinking right now who you're going to invite to Palm Sunday and or Easter Sunday. Because we're going to start praying for them. Amen. So we're going to take just a minute right now. Get someone in your mind. Get a family. Get a co-worker. Next week we're going to have invites for you to actually pass out to your friends and family. And encourage them to come on Easter Sunday. Amen. I'm telling you, they'll come. They have a good time with the kids. The kids have wonderful things planned. But they'll be in an atmosphere like this morning with the presence of God and the anointing of God. And they will give their lives to Jesus. Amen. That's why we're here. Listen, two weeks following Easter Sunday, we have a three-week discipleship program we're launching. So we're going to be able to get them right into knowing who they are in Christ. So let's think about Easter. Amen. Let's make this important in our lives every day that we're looking for someone that we can invite to bring with us to church on Sunday. Let's not come alone, amen. Let's fill up this church with people who need the love of God. You know, our mission statement here at the church is loving people back to life to fulfill God's purpose. And that's exactly what we do. This church is full of people that have been loved back to life to fulfill God's purpose your life. And we want to share that love. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray over Easter Sunday morning. Father, we thank you for your holy week that is coming up, Father God. It has been set apart from you, God. Whether the dates match up, none of that matters. But God, we have set apart this time and this moment to share your love, to share your story, to share the story of forgiveness and hope. And Father, we lift up every person that we're going to step out by faith and invite on Easter Sunday. We are going to have courage. We're going to have boldness, Father God. I pray that they'll have favor, that God, when they give that extension of the of the invitation, they're going to hear the words, yes, God. They're going to hear what time, and that, Lord, even when you move the heart of Herod in your, in your will, I pray that you'll move everyone's hearts with this invitation to come to the house of the Lord, that, God, they will experience joy. They're going to experience hope. They're going to experience peace, Father God, and we thank you that, Lord, we will love this church with people who will be changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. That God we are called to give life away. And that will be our purpose this Easter Holy Weekend, Father God. And we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen and amen. Give the Lord one more praise today. Thank you so much, Alex. What a wonderful time in worship this morning. Wow, that was so good. I could have just went on for the rest of the time. I um, was so honored and privileged to be a part of our Celebrate Freedom group this last Friday night. They have been meeting for nine months together. You, you didn't know it because once they get past a couple weeks, they, they keep it intimate and they keep it very special. And our group passed their nine months, and they graduated <laughs> Friday night. And we call our group Celebrate Freedom because we believe that God wants us to be free. Amen. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And just sitting there listening to the testimonies and seeing the cries and, and hearing the laughter and even the friendships that they formed was just 
unbelievable to my heart. And I just sat there as a pastor going, that is what church is about. It's about people getting set free, amen. God will build the church. He always takes care of the church, but God wants to see his people set free. And so when the next Celebrate Freedom comes around, I just encourage you to, if the Lord puts in your heart, be a part of this group and be willing to be vulnerable because God really wants to set his kids free. But I have a little video that I want to present to you that they gave to us as the leaders of the church on Friday night. If we could share that.
I'm telling you, isn't that special? The one thing the Lord told me coming in from our fast the first of this year was make a place for people to find healing. Make a place for them. And we have been intentional about that happening. And we have Celebrate Freedom. We have a discipleship class you'll hear about. And we also have Rooted that Pastor Paul talked about that we are being trained in as leaders so that we can help train other people. We have a place for you to belong. Amen. It's so important in the kingdom that you have a place and you have a community and a place to belong. So let's bring friends and families to a place that they can find hope and healing in. Amen. It won't be just a church service. We want to offer all the way for your friends and for your families to find healing. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, let's get into today's lesson. Are y'all ready? I'm excited. We're water baptizing today. I mean, it's like a great day today. So... I am continuing on part three of Who Am I? And if you have missed the last couple weeks, I really encourage you to jump online, listen to those teachings because God is really unearthing us, isn't he? He's really like peeling off the layers and and getting rid of all those little things that we hang on to so that I believe we can do the works of the kingdom that is about to be launched in the world. Amen. How many want a lighter load? Like, I want a lighter physical load. I'm kind of working on it right now. Me and Miss Denise, aren't we? We got our own thing going, and we got a little accountability. We're both down four, four pounds. Hallelujah. And we are working on it and encouraging one another. I said, I will not go to the refrigerator because I can't let Denise down. Like, I literally, I see her cute little face, and I'm like, she's working so hard, and I'm hoping you're thinking the same about me. Okay. So anyway, but I want a spiritual light load, amen? Like, let's get the garbage of life off of us so that we can just be and do what God's called us to be and do. So today, I'm going to be talking about probably, I know, a topic all of us have endured or maybe are in, and it is learning to lay down our right to be offended. And this is such a touchy, sensitive topic because I have been in offended situations and they are sensitive and they're tender and they're vulnerable when we've been deeply offended. And so we're going to talk a little bit about deep offenses, but also the little things that are offending us in our life and and maybe just recognizing them and, and learning to just lay them down and get out of the way. How many know we don't have time to really walk in in this offense all the time and we live in a world now that's just not in the church world where we easily are offended, but in the world today. Everywhere you turn, there's a chance to be offended. I mean, I'm on LinkedIn, and I see posts on there, and I'm like, oh, it makes my skin just crawl. It makes me so mad, you know, and there's things everywhere that we can look that could cause division and cause strife and cause frustration in our hearts, and we've got to recognize that the devil is fighting really hard right now. He would love to divide people. He'd love to section us in little quarters so that we have our own little way we think and believe and how we feel and get us all separated instead of coming into the unity of the faith so that we can take this world for Jesus. Amen. And we will because we're going to let it go. Say, let it go. We're going to let things go. So we're talking about laying things down on the altar, taking these things that we're struggling with. We're talking about the right to be offended and let's lay it on the altar. And we're getting rid of our ego. And that means that it's not about ourselves. And when we get offended, we have to go, it's not what I think about myself. I'm laying down my ego and my desire to be right, right? Because we all want to be right. And in some cases, you probably are right. But we have to be willing to lay that down. Let's put that on the altar of sacrifice the way we think things should be and become who God says that we are. 
Amen. Let's just take on who we are in Christ. So just to recap really quick, the first week we talked about the feeling of inadequacy, and that was such a great teaching, you know, becoming, realizing that God really has something great for your life. Last week was the need for control. How hard was that? Y'all were really quiet last week. You made it hard. You're trying to control my preaching out there. No, I'm just kidding. But we want to hang on, don't we? We want to control things because it makes us feel safe and we're learning to let go. I can't tell you just after preaching this last week that I just took some things that were bothering my heart and I said, nope. I'm giving them to Jesus. I'm giving them to Jesus. I'm going to let it go because I don't need to have control. And, boy, I tell you, the second I let it go, God comes in and he just takes care of the rest. So today, next week's going to be the longing for approval, which I think many of us, and we'll wrap this series up. And today is the right to be offended. So in my life, I can look over. I've been in ministry since I was 17 years old. Can you believe it? 18 years old, something like that. It's been a long time. And so I've really developed through the course of ministry, you learn to not get offended over the little things. I mean, at first, everything's just so big and huge, and you really got to find God in them. For me, I have had to battle things that were major heart-wrenching offenses, where I was deeply betrayed, where somebody turned their back on me, or I was lashed out against. And there's things that the devil came deep into my heart. And so I'll talk from both aspects today, because both are so important that we are careful to not walk in that offense and allow it to take control of our life. And what happens is, especially if you really do love God, is we're like, I'm fine. It's no big deal. And what do we do? We dust it under the carpet. I'm fine. It was no big deal. That was a long time ago. And we put it under the carpet. And we don't realize that our life is really being altered. Decisions we're making subconsciously is through that offense through that betrayal, and now I'm reacting it all out in my life because I'm not really free of that thing. It went so deep into my heart, amen? So we have to be careful that we we let things go in our life. And the quicker that you can let it go, the better. Because when you let it fester, it will grow very deep and not only affect your heart but affect the hearts of other people around you. You know, so there's a time in my life when I was, you know, in another organization, another ministry, and I was, gave permission to put together this women's event and this young girls event, and I, I planned it all out, and, and I had other churches involved. It was all set in motion. Marketing was done, and I got the phone call that they said, we want you to cancel the event. And I'm going to tell you, that challenged my heart so deeply. I was wounded so deeply because I'm like, well, first of all, we've already marketed this thing. We have other churches involved, and my heart is in this thing. And I was so deeply offended that it really shook me to my core, that I made some phone calls to some people in my life and said, I'm going to quit. Like, I'm done. I'm done with being hurt in ministry. I'm done with the politics of ministry. I am over it. And I really had to take that situation where I know the devil wanted to rewire me very quickly to get out of the will of God through offense that I had to get my heart back and I had to trust God. Now, listen, some of those deep offenses, they don't go away immediately. They take a process, but if you're willing to stay surrendered to God, if you're willing to stay in his presence, he will begin to take away all those offenses and all those betrayers, betrayal in your life, amen? And God will restore it, and he'll give you back better than you could ever think, dream, or imagine. But you can't let offense come in and take control because it'll want to control you. 
So there's so many ways the enemy wants to control us, whether somebody criticized us or, I mean, offend us. Criticism, maybe you were blamed for something. How many's ever been ignored? I've been ignored by adults. Adults purposely, you know, I won't even go there. Maybe you were controlled and manipulated like I tossed, talked about last week by spiritual authority. And, and that has been offensive in your heart and it's hard to trust again. Maybe you just didn't like their tone of voice. Anybody ever? It can be the simplest of things, isn't it? And it just triggers something inside of us that is a fear or a past failure or disappointment or rejection because we never dealt with the original offense. And so it triggers us. And all of a sudden we go from one to ten. See, I told you that church was like that. See, I told you they don't let anybody in the group. When in reality, it's just all a false illusion, and God wants you to go to the place you were offended, surrender it to the Holy Spirit. Now grace and mercy can flow in your life. Amen? So good. How about if someone else gets a promotion at your job or even in the church? I've been in the church world a long time, and people get hurt when other people get promoted because you're like, what about me? You know, don't you see my giftings? Don't you see my callings? So really, offense is hurt masqueraded in ego, so it goes into offense to take control, and all of a sudden you're in this wheelbarrow going down a hill really, really fast. Amen. We don't even have to look to be offended. I mean, you, there are people who just, they wait with any expectation for offense, but I'll tell you this, we're living in a prophetic moment in the world, and we as Christians have to discern the signs of the time. And if you look, it'll be on the scriptures on the screen, but we're living in some signs of the times. And we have to be very cautious to what we allow into our heart. And in Matthew 24, verses 10 through 13, it says this. This, this is actually in the scripture that says the signs of the times. It says, and then many will be offended. Have you ever seen more in the last two years of people being offended? You can't say one thing and somebody else is going to get offended. And it was like, but that was good and happy, like the sun was shining today. No, it's not. Well, it may be cloudy in Chandler, but it's actually sunny here in, you know, Peoria. You're going to say something. Why? Because the devil is causing offenses. He wants us to be against each other, fighting against each other at every little thing. That's why even on LinkedIn, I saw some posts, and I'm like, oh, and it's people that I love. But I'm like, you know what? I can separate that. I'm not going to, you don't have to think and feel the same way that I do. Do we love Jesus? Then that's what we love each other through Jesus. Forgive each other for everything else that we don't line up in because we're never going to be the same. Thank God. We look like a bunch of church robots. I love Jesus. I can't do a robot. I don't know. I don't even know what that was. Was it something? I got my pumas on. I'm feeling kind of sassy. I know. I'm feeling kind of sassy in my pumas today. Right? But we can get offended at so many things, and we need to be careful. So let's look back. Then they will, many will be offended and will betray one another. And will hate one another. Can you see this as a satanic assignment against the church of Jesus Christ? Do you think the devil cares about the world? No, because he thinks he controls the world, but the church he hates. So if he can divide us on political arenas, belief arenas, all these things that's there, then he can take over the church and where the church needs to go. But we have to put all those things behind us, amen? And notice when offense comes, that's the devil. 
Just recognize that that's the devil trying to get me in a place that I don't need to be. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And that's why the last couple of weeks you've heard me say, be careful who you listen to online. They call themselves prophets, and they may have lots of followers. And I'm not saying, I don't know who you follow, but I know in the spirit there's going to be many deceiving voices. So we need to find a pastor, a covering that you see the fruit of, that you know the longevity of that ministry. Find ministries that have some roots deep in the ground, that have some scars on their backs, that have fought some battles, amen, and be submitted to the house of the Lord. There's safety in that. And because lawlessness, lawless, lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Man, if we can't love each other who we can't see, is what the Bible says, how can we love God whom we can't see? And there is a lost and dying world who needs our love. And if our love grows cold and we just come to church, we get our shot in the arm of feeling good about ourselves, feeling spiritual, and go home and never give that away, my love has grown cold. If I can't share my testimony or the miracle or what God has done out into the world where it's not a church covering or church atmosphere, I have to check my heart. Where is my heart? Make sure that we're growing hot in the things of God. Amen. Stirring the fire. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Somebody say amen. Amen. So what happens when people get offended, and I'm going to talk about the local church, when people get offended, all of a sudden, they start making close friends with people who have the same offense. And now it's become a mission to talk about that offense with that group of people, and now you see a little huddle of offended people wandering around in the kingdom of God. They'll all end up in the back section of a church somewhere else. They'll all end up on Facebook spouting the same stuff that tries to break down the church, speak against the pastor, talk about the bride of Jesus Christ. I want to read this to you because I didn't plan on it, but there's so much bashing about the local church right now. And if there's anything that makes me angry, it'll be talk about the church. Righteous anger. Thank you. Let me see if I, okay. This is from Charles Spurgeon. You know, he's from whatever century he was from. I don't even know. He says this, the church is not perfect, but woe to the man who finds pleasure in pointing out her imperfections. Can't touch the bride. Don't touch the church. There is no perfect church. Now, if there's known sin, and you know, you know what I'm talking about, but there's no perfect pastor and there's no perfect church, do not touch the bride. Because the blood of damage will be on your hands. And I do not want that responsibility when I face the creator. I don't want to deal with that at the throne room of God. Because when I, when I left my other church that I, I was abandoned in that moment, I didn't take a phone call from people. And they called me. I got off of Facebook for a good few months to let that body heal. Everybody wanted to know my version of the story. But guess what? I'm not going to touch the bride. I'm not going to hurt the body of Christ. I'm going to give my pastor time to restore that body. Whatever story they tell, I don't care. I just got to live my story. Amen. Woe to the man. Wonder why the world don't want to come in the church? Too much fighting going on. Goes on to say Christ loves his church and let us do the same. So good. I have no doubt that the Lord could see more faults in his church than I can, and I have equally confidence that he sees no fault at all. 
because he covers her faults with his own love and that love which covers a multitude of sins and he removes all of her defilement with that precious blood which washes away all the transgression of his people. Amen. The church belongs to God and we need to protect the church at all costs. Amen. We got to go back to what does scripture say when we're offended. There's a process. Go through the process of the word of God. Amen. Okay, so let's be careful of that. Our ego wants to edge God out, and we want to be right. And what does that mean? If I am fighting to be right, then somebody has to be wrong. And all of a sudden, we've got a battle of what's right and what's wrong, amen? And it's a very miserable place to live. Because usually the person that offended us has gone on their merry way. And they're living life. They have no idea your sleepless nights, how ticked off you are. Because they've moved on and you're the one that carried it in our hearts. Amen. And I can preach it from this depth because I have been there. I could write a book of all of my letdowns of ministry. Trust me. But it says in Proverbs 18, 19, this is so powerful. A brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city. And quarreling is like the bars of a castle. Can you see the bondage that carrying offense puts you in? And once somebody gets to that far gone place, it is hard to win them back. And that's why we have to be so careful with the young sheep and new Christians that we're, we're not putting on display offense because it teaches them how they can behave instead of learning how to let go and trust God and forgive God. We don't want to put people in imprisonment through our offense. It's so dangerous. So when you stay in offense, now you're hard to win, and you live in these bondages in our life. How many do, do not want to live there? No way. Proverbs 19.11 says this. How do we do that? How do we give offenses away? It says this. A man's wisdom gives him patience, and it is to his glory to overlook an offense. And that is not easy to do. God's asking something of you that is not easy to do, but he will give you the grace to do it. Some of them you'll be able to go, yeah, whatever. And then some of them you're going to go, this is going to be a process, but I'm going to keep loving my heart. I'm going to keep my mouth clean. I'm going to keep my heart right with Jesus, and I'm going to trust God because I don't want to go into imprisonment. I'm going to learn to what Scripture says does what? Overlook an offense. Now, let me share with you what that word overlook, because overlook isn't the same as pretending it didn't happen. Because we get offended for reasons. There's things that we really get hurt over, and that is okay. So it doesn't mean I have to pretend it didn't happen. It means that I have to rise above it. And that word overlook literally means that. It means to let it go or to pass over. The Hebrew word that there means to pass over. And all I kept thinking when I read this was God wants us to rise up of who we are in Christ Jesus. The Bible says that the enemy is under our feet. And that means I'm going to get above it. I'm not going to be down here fighting it, combating it, trying to prove myself, trying to validate myself. All you're going to do is stay defeated. But I'm going to rise up, not in pride, but I'm going to rise up and I'm going to overlook that offense and step into Jesus and say, God, you've got it under control. And it goes right into our last week's lesson. Let go of control. If it's wrong, God will deal with them. If it's sinful, God will bring judgment. Just thank God you're not near it. Amen? But you've got to be willing to overlook it. Let's get some altitude over some things in our life. 
Amen. Let's catch some air, as they say, when you're, when you're um, skateboarding, right? The young people are going to get big air and get over it. And it made me think of an airplane. You know when you take off in an airplane and everything's its size, but the higher you get, the smaller the images get? That's what we need to do with the fence. Just get higher above it. Just get higher in Christ Jesus. Amen? And allow those things to become underneath us. We have too many important things to do to allow things to weigh us down. And maybe some things that in the end of the day doesn't matter anyway. Really, in, in the grand scheme of life, it really doesn't matter anyway. So what do we need to do? How do we do this? I'm going to show you in uh, Romans 12, verse 3. It says this, first part of the verse. Paul wrote this to the church in, in Rome. And he said, for by grace given me. Romans 12, 3. For by grace given me. This is Paul talking to the church in Rome. What did Paul need? He needed grace. Paul was killing Christians. So not only did Paul need grace to step into God and his walk with God, but he needed grace from the Christians. Can you imagine we have some guy on the west side going into a bunch of churches and killing Christians and coming into faith brothers and goes, well, forgive me. Um, I don't think so. We're going to have the security guard stop you right outside. He had a reputation. He went into homes and ripped them out. I, I call Paul the modern-day ISIS. He literally went in and, and killed Christians and tortured them for their faith in Jesus. But you know what? The church had to show him grace. And Paul became great in the New Testament. Wrote, well, two-thirds or whatever it was of the New Testament, three-fourths of the New Testament. He became great. And Jesus said, on the rock of your revelation, Peter, I'm going to build my church. I mean, can you imagine how amazing? So he needed grace. The Christians had to extend grace to Paul. Let me ask you this this morning. Has God extended grace to you? Yes. Hear ye, hear ye. Amen. Right hand, left hand. Amen. Yes, I've had his grace. Uh, um, has God, um, do you hope people will extend grace to you? Hey, there's times I've been offended, and I know, don't raise your hand in this room, but I know I've offended you. I can tell you it wasn't on purpose, but I know that I have, right? So I need the same grace that I need to give grace away. Amen? We all need grace. We've all fallen short. We all offend, and we all do things that hurt people's heart, whether knowingly or unknowingly. How do we overcome it? Through God's grace. We give grace away, and we receive the grace that we need. He continues to say, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. What's sober mean? Sound mind. When you're mad and offended, the last thing you have is a sound mind. Is that not the truth? I have sent some crazy emails and conversations because not the sound mind. So we have to, what does he say? Lower yourself, get yourself under control in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. What's he saying? You have the ability to reel it in. You have the ability to get control of that thing that wants to run you right out of the will of God. How many has ever had your running shoes on before? We've all been there, haven't we? All right, because God's grace to me, number one, I'm going to give you three ways. Number one, I'll give, you, I'll give others the benefit of the doubt. How can I come out of offense? Because of God's grace, I'm going to give others the benefit of the doubt. That means I'm going to think the best of them. If I'm hurt or offended or left out, I'm going to step into, but I, I know they really love me. 
And I know they may not do that on purpose. And I know they may have not spoke to me, but maybe what I'm thinking is is not really what it is at all. What they're going through may not be what I'm portraying to myself. It's like we reflect other people's behavior on us, and we respond like they're doing something to us. And in fact, they're like, I didn't even notice you. But because we are feeling our own certain way, and we do, all of a sudden we take it on ourselves. But let's give people the benefit of the doubt. Amen? There are people who want to hurt you. Is that not true? 1% of the time, though, that's all that it is. There are intentional people who want to hurt you, and that has happened in my life. Most every other occasion, it was not intentional. Promotion happened and you got overlooked. It wasn't intentional, especially in the kingdom. You know, and that's where we have to just get our hearts and go, it's, it's going to be okay. I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt, and I'm not going to lose my joy and my hope with where I'm at. So let's look at Ephesians 4 in the New Living Translation. It says, always be humble and gentle. What does that mean? It's not about me. It's not about me. Not everything is about me. And that is so hard when I am going through stuff because I told you I'm the baby daughter. And the baby girl has everything about her syndrome. But in life, it's not always about you. It may be what somebody else is simply facing in their life. And they're thinking, I didn't even notice or see about you. I've just got my own stuff that I'm going through. Amen? So always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. What else does it say? Making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. I'm going to make an allowance for you, right? I'm going to give you some space because I know you love me. No, if it's continual behavior, we might have to have a conversation, right? But I'm going to make an allowance and go, that's just not really who they are normally. So I'm going to give them grace in this area that I would need grace in in my life. And listen, you may not even know you needed that grace. Somebody may have given you grace over a situation that they felt that you don't even know about. So we need to give the same grace away. Amen. You reap what you sow. Listen to this. We, oh, let's keep going. Making allowance for each other's faults. Why? Because of my love. Why am I going to give grace to someone across the church for me that offended me? Because I love them. Why am I not going to get offended because of whatever? Because I love them. I love them enough to excuse bad behavior. Doesn't mean I take abuse. You can put some healthy boundaries, but I'm not going to carry offense. I'm going to love them unconditionally. We judge others by their actions, do we not? But we judge ourselves by our intention. Well, I had a good intention. I mean, I meant to invite them. I meant to do that. But then we judge somebody else who may have done the same thing to us. So we have to be careful that we're not always about what we're facing and really not looking from the other person's perspective. Amen? Hallelujah. Hang on, guys. They should give me the benefit of a doubt. They should have given me grace, but I don't want to give them grace when it's time. Amen? We have to be willing to give people the benefit of the doubt. We have a long ride till Jesus comes. Amen. And we're a bunch of sheep coming from different areas of our life. Let's love each other for who we are. Amen. Hallelujah. You never know where someone's coming from. And I learned this lesson young with my pastor, and you know that story. But you never know that they may have gotten a fight with their spouse. They may be overwhelmed with finances and can't pay their bills. 
They may have got fired from their job. We don't know the circumstances that people walk into our lives with. And we only base it by the season we're in. And we think everybody's mentally where we're at. But we may not understand that they're coming broken to church on Sunday. And they were lucky to get in the door. And we're like, she sat over there this week. How dare her? Well, maybe she just wanted a little time to herself with Jesus. It's not about me, amen? Give them the benefit of the doubt. They may be facing things that you don't understand that is bigger than anything they've ever faced in their life. Shout grace, grace to them. Grace, grace to people. Give them grace, grace. Ephesians says to put on the breastplate of righteousness. If I have a breastplate on, where's my heart? Under the shield. Under the shield. I'm not having it on my, my arm. I don't have my heart out on my sleeve. I've got it under righteousness, which means morally right. That means that anything that comes at me, I only see the good of it. Isn't that good? And those arrows the enemy comes, I can only see the good because it's under righteousness. You can be thick-skinned and a soft heart. And that's what God wants us to have. Or you can have thin skin and a hard heart. And I guarantee you that's not what God wants for us. Amen? All right. There are wounded people in the world. Hurt people hurt people. The church is full of sick people. We're a hospital. Amen? Let's be patient, kind, loving. Just what the scripture says. Instead of being defended, I'm going to give compassion. If you know someone is wounded, doesn't that give you so much more compassion? Yes. So much more compassion. Like, oh, God will heal them. That reacting to me was because they're hurt and broken, and I, I'll love them and I'll love them through that. Amen. All right, number two, really quick. I will not label others. I will, we got to wrap this up. I guess we had good prayer time today. So, all right, let's just do this really quick. I will not label. Really quick. Don't put labels on people that made mistakes. Whatever their past was, it's their past. Give them grace. As God forgave them, you forgive them too. Give them a chance. Don't label them to who, through their past mistakes, their shortcomings. There are pastors that are falling. They're, the pulpits are being shook right now. Let's not judge them. Let's love these pastors. Let's love these leaders. We don't know what God can do in and through their lives. Let's not put labels on them. I wouldn't want a label on me, thank God. And let's not put a label on anybody else. Luke 6 says, be merciful just as your Father in heaven is merciful. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Amen. All right, last but not least, number three, I'll forgive as I have been forgiven. Let's release forgiveness in this season. Amen. Let's let things go. Colossians 3.13, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. That's like just pretty solid, isn't it? Black and white. Forgive anyone who has offended you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. That's the hard thing, isn't it? And it's the big things. What you need to do is forgive quickly. Forgive quickly. In the moment when you have every opportunity. When I went through a season where, you know, I was, spoke a lot on Facebook and a lot of garbage on Facebook. Every time I turned on, it was somebody saying something horrible about me or the church. And, you know, in that moment, I could just get so offended. And, I, you know, there was a righteous anger, people touching God's house. But in that moment, I would stop and say, God, I forgive them. 
And I'd stop and pray for them. And I'd pray God's grace over them. Why? Because that's what scripture says to do. And instead of taking a barrel of offense that could just get out of control and really derail a pastor right out of the will of God, right? But in the moment, you forget, I'm going to forgive him in this moment, and I'm going to pray for my enemies, what Scripture says. And then you see it again, I'm going to release them. I'm going to pray for my enemies. And you know what? God can bring healing and restoration quicker through letting things go in the moment than when they catapult out of control, amen? Let's be quick to forgive just as God forgave us. Amen? Amen. And we are out of time. Hallelujah. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, I thank you today for this amazing church. I thank you for what you've already done in this moment through worship and the freedom and your voice and your love. And God, we just give this moment to you that any area, God, whether big or small, where we're hanging on to offenses of the past and disappointments of maybe pastoral failure in our life, Father God, or rejection from authority, Father, in the name of Jesus, we're going to let that go. We're going to forgive quickly, Father God. We're going to let go circumstances and people and frustration, Father God, that the enemy would want us to carry. And we're going to say, God, I want you to be God in the center of that thing. We let church experiences go. We let pastoral experiences go in the name of Jesus. We, we let the feeling of rejection and being left out, Father God, go in the name of Jesus. Father, fences in the political realm and social justice areas, Father, that we're hanging on to, we, we let those go in the name of Jesus. We let it go, Father God. And we invite you, Holy Spirit, come in. Come into our hearts. Come into this moment, Father God, that we will recognize that spirit of offense and division that would try to rip our lives apart, Father God. And we will push it out, Father. We'll recognize offense and say, nope, that's the devil. And I'm putting my breastplate of righteousness on, God. This church will walk with a, a thick skin, Father God, and a soft heart. We will take on the challenge of this city that you called us to take, Father God. And we will be armed and ready to receive the lost and the harvest that you have called to come in in the precious name of Jesus. And if you're here today and you need to make Jesus the Lord of your life, maybe you're coming back to Jesus, maybe you just need to make things right, I want you to repeat after me today. Say, Dear Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me of all of my sin. Forgive me for hanging on to offense, for being disappointed, for others' failures in my life, for manipulation over my life, for control over my life. I give it to you. I receive grace, grace, and I give grace in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. Hallelujah. Hey, listen, get online. Sign up for Rooted. It's coming in September. Sign up for the discipleship class. You'll hear more about right after Easter. And invite your friends to Easter Sunday. Amen. I love you all. God bless you. Let's welcome Pastor Paul.